This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Well, it is Share the Show Tuesday, and I'm just going to tell you, you're probably not hearing news on a daily basis that isn't complete 100% war propaganda. I mean, it is basically our jobs. I have proof jobs. of that on today's show, by the way. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. that's excellent. But it's, I mean, it's our jobs to listen to the news. I hate listening to the news. I'm the worst person to listen to the news. And because I hate it, I'm totally uh, skeptical of it, and it always sucks. But I can't even do it right now. I really have to look at news from outside the country. But in any case, if you know anybody who needs to know some news, I'm doing the hard work for you and you can benefit from that. Share the show with different people for that reason. Uh, Yeah, it's a beating. It's full of lies. I actually have some uh, like eight years of having followed the Ukraine thing. And um, it's just painful, but we'll do it. And you can share the show to anybody you think needs some of that. And if you if you are a subscriber, I guess it's you can't just share this link because they can't always access it. So it's fine to just give them the propreport.com, our website, the propreport.com actually has a continuous player on there. And we post the podcast there every day, and you can find everything that we have going on through that. Uh, so also, if you know anybody in Missouri, Arizona, New York, or England who might be interested in meeting up with people in meet space, at the end of the show, I will tell you where there are going to be some meetups in those places courtesy of Greg Carlwood at the Higher Side Chat. He always has those meetups, and we are like-minded people, so... If anybody listening to this is near you, they may end up at that. And in any case, you could meet some of those higher side chat listeners. So uh, without further ado, oh, a little further ado. Tomorrow, I'm going to be on the Mad Ones live at 530 Eastern, 830 Pacific on YouTube.com slash the Mad Ones. 530 and, Eastern? Sorry, Pacific, 830 Eastern. <laughs> sorry, I said it backwards. Ah, it's my old New Yorker coming out. 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. And then Binkley's going to do a Locals live stream on Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So you can get that at propreport.locals.com. And now, let's hear the latest in propaganda. I have a story that I want to share with everybody because I think that it's important that people are aware of this story because the New York Times has admitted that they and other MSM networks and social media platforms are lying to the public about what's going on in Ukraine. They basically admit that they are all propaganda arms of NATO, and they are unashamed, and it's good for you. 
You should take it because it's the best thing for Ukraine, regardless of what the truth is. They have openly admitted this. And I want to go through a couple of passages in this article just to show you how boldly they are admitting that they are just a propaganda machine. It's pretty unbelievable. This was a story from a couple of days ago, which the New York Times sometimes puts out these stories that reveal truths, and then they get no coverage, and they get buried, and you never hear from them again. This is one of those. The headline of the story is, In Ukraine's Information War, a Blend of Fact and Fiction. And the gist of the story is that social media platforms, MSM, they are part of this information war. They have chosen a side, and thus they are spreading unverified stories and even stories that have been proven to be false because it is the right thing to do in order to support Ukraine in this war against evil. Here is how they open up the stories. In the information war over the invasion of Ukraine, some of the country's official accounts have pushed stories with questionable veracity, spreading on-the-ground accounts and even some unverified information that was later proved false in a rapid jumble of fact and myth. And then they differentiate between the Ukrainian propaganda and the Russian propaganda. They say, the falsehoods spread by Ukraine do not compare to the falsehoods spread by Russia. Instead of spreading stuff like laying the groundwork for false flags, as they say Russia did, and claiming to liberate Ukrainians from Nazis, Ukraine's online propaganda is largely focused on its heroes, its martyrs, characters who help dramatize tales of Ukrainian fortitude and Russian aggression. We hear all the stuff about President Zelensky. They bring up that story about him and the assassination attempt, saying even though it's very hard to get facts that support there was assassination attempts, they are running with it because it gives this idea that he is a, a hero, a martyr, perhaps. And I pointed that out right away. The assassination attempt stories seem completely bogus. All of them do. They're too over the top. They say this raises the question of how false and unproven content should be handled during war when lives are at stake and a Western ally is fighting for its survival against that in powerful invading force. Now, here are some of the wow moments in this article. They say that Detailing Ukrainian bravery or Russian brutality are crucial to the country's war plan. This is according to experts, they say, and they say they are part of an established war doctrine that values winning not just individual skirmishes, but the hearts and minds of the citizens and international observers. This is especially important during this conflict as Ukrainians try to keep morale high among the fighters and marshal global support for their cause. They say if the Ukrainians had no messages of righteousness of its cause, the popularity of its cause, the valor of its heroes, the suffering of its populace, it would lose the war. Well, uh, of course. <laughs> of course it would. <laughs> the reasoning in this article is mind-boggling. So it's totally circular. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this next passage here, they say the modern propaganda strategy involves flooding the internet with viral messages that drown out opposing narratives. That digital battle moves at startling speed using social media accounts, official websites, news conferences streamed online to spread Ukraine's message. You have to have the message that goes the most viral. Is this not what they accused <laughs> Russia of doing in 2016? That's the whole thing of like, that's what they talk about, like Alex Jones. And they're just like, you're just you're just clickbaiting, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's what they say is the problem about the people who what, what motivates conspiranoids to propagate their conspiranoia. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so they talk about this fake ghost of Kiev video. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's, it, it's driving me crazy that everyone all of a sudden is calling it Kiev. It's Kiev. 
It doesn't I've have to be Kiev. I've heard Kiev and Kiev. They say Kiev, but that's wrong too. Kiev is a little overemphasized. It's Kiev. Listen to people who are Ukrainian. It's Kiev. Right. It's got well, an E in it. What I'm concerned about is the content of this. I just feel like it's subtle. I understand it's the content you're talking about, but I'm just I'm pointing out that they have subtly changed how we say it. Right. Like you weren't people used to call me on WSP and say, don't call it the Ukraine. It's Ukraine. I'm like, well, it's Ukraine if you're if you're pro West. But if you're the Russians call it the Ukraine. Right. There might be something they're doing there with the pronunciation to try and mess with people. Yeah, absolutely. It's like ISIL. You know, you recognize that. Are you familiar with that story of the the Ukrainian pilot who in the beginning of the war, the story goes that he took out like seven Russian fighter pilots and nobody knows this guy's name. He's a hero and it became a symbol that the Ukrainian president promoted it. The Ukrainian Twitter posted a montage video of it, which turned out to be some of the video was from a simulator, a flight simulator. No way. Yeah. And it. No evidence to actually prove this is true. And it's being spread on Twitter, being spread by the Ukrainian president, being spread in the United States media. And even the New York Times here calls it a fake video. And they say in this context here, they say that social media has become the main conduit for pushing information verified or not verified or not, giving the tech companies a role in the information war. And the example they use is that video. And they say that Twitter, the montage that was posted to the Ukraine's official Twitter account, received no flag. So it is there with no flag. It's knowingly false. They've not been censored at all. And the former president of Ukraine also tweeted it, got no flag. And then it goes on to say that social media has picked a side by the way that they are allowing the false content to be moderated or not be moderated. And And they say that the narrative is not aimed just at Western audiences, but Russian citizens. The final point on this here is that this guy says that a key to information warfare in the age of social media is to recognize that the audience is both the target of and participant in the propaganda, hopefully sharing out these messages, which makes them combatants as well. I have a glossary term called manufacturing advocacy. That's what so this is. People call it, always say ma- manufacturing consent. I'm like, they're manufacturing advocacy. Absolutely. People used to call and uh, try to rip me a new one on WSB when I would defend Syria. And I'm like, what do you care? What do you care? You're right. driving your truck, listening to the radio like everybody else. What do you care? Right. It's This is extraordinary. So I people should, especially if you are waving the Ukrainian flag draped in it, even though you know nothing about it, as you said, why do you care? They should read this so they can choose for themselves if they are going to knowingly accept what is lies coming from these agencies so that they can be blissfully ignorant. Well, I will say that that extends to what you had anticipated a couple of weeks ago from the World Economic Forum tapping celebrities. I mean, that was not news. I don't even really know how how the World Economic Forum emphasizing that leveled it up because it they've always the Hollywood has always just been a, a propaganda mouthpiece through a different face, you know. So uh, Gigi Hadid will donate her Fashion Week earnings to Ukraine. Did you hear this? No. So she's a fashion model. She a different fashion model, Argen Yaraz, had already put out the call to models to support Ukraine. Well, Hadid is. Palestinian. So she said she will uh, she'll donate her fashion 2022 fashion week earnings to the uh, to the people in Ukraine who are suffering and those experiencing the same in Palestine. So I thought that was a little weird. It was on Fox News without comment. And I 
I was mainly paying attention to the fact that these guys have all been saying now they, they didn't say anything specifically political about who's right or wrong or whatever. They're just saying they're supporting organizations that are supporting the people of Ukraine. And I would there's a one in a million chance that that includes people who are suffering in Donbass. I mean, the Ukrainian army is dropping bombs on or at least um, killing people in Donbass still right now. So when you see pictures of casualties, don't you're in your mind, you're thinking of just a, a rain of bombs from Russia. That's not you. We don't know when you see a picture, you have to find out who actually killed those people. Uh, so there's a chance that these people are giving equally to the East and the West in Ukraine. But it was the Palestinian thing that, of course, raised some eyebrows. And the article I read about this was that I guess Vanity Fair. Oh, no. Vogue had brought this Hadid story and used her quotes. And there was just a cascade of tweets and articles that Hadid is coming under fire. One example was, it's totally irresponsible of you, Vogue magazine, to publish a quote comparing Russian actions in Ukraine with Israel. As a Jewish woman, I am appalled and scared. Do you research before publishing hate? You are contributing to anti-Semitism. So Hadid is Palestinian. And she is saying, and I'm assuming that she has reason to believe this, that Palestinians are suffering. And that's what she says. She's going to contribute to Palestinians who are suffering. And it says specifically, she said, those who are suffering from war in Ukraine, as well as continue to support those experiencing the same in Palestine. So I guess, I mean, what was shocking about that to me well, two things, obviously. It just takes all the discernment about the actual actions out of the story. And it just says, if you're on the wrong side of this, you're a hater. We're not going to talk about why. I mean, I had just said the Ukraine thing there are two sides of. The Palestinian thing there are two sides of. So, and she's Palestinian. Are you really, really going to hold her up that she can't have her own position? Anyway, um... But what really shocked me about what the Hollywood types were doing is, and everyone, anybody who's coming out with this, like, uh, hearts and, you know, thoughts and prayers for the people of Ukraine, giving their money, holding hands, Kim, Kumbaya, we are the world, all of that stuff, is how many bombs we drop on a daily basis all around the world. I mean, bombs, 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 bombs. And we always have, and I guess we always will. And I don't know how many bombs Putin has dropped on Ukraine, but I'm just going to give you a few stats from recent times. So I, I put all these notes in the show notes. It says uh, 300, I have evidence this came from straight from the government. There were 337,000 bombs and missiles dropped by the United States around the world over the past 20 years. So I would like to know, where all these runway models were when there were almost 20,000 bombs a year being dropped on average. And this is actually must be escalating because that average is less than 20,000, whereas Trump and Obama exceeded 20,000. Let's say, so let's go backwards. Judging 
from Trump's embrace of the use of air power, this is how they're validate, uh, evaluating who's hawkish and who's dovish, he is the most hawkish president in modern history, Trump. And I never think of him that way because he, you know, the anti-war rhetoric was strong with him. Under Trump, the U.S. dropped about 21,000 bombs in the first six months of his first year, which was 80% of what Obama did in 2016. Now, in 2016, President Obama's last year in office, he dropped at least 26,000 bombs in just seven countries. And this is from Foreign Affairs magazine, the CFR's own magazine. And they said that the estimate (coughs) is undoubtedly low because the data is unreliable. The countries included are Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, Libya. Uh, and then in 2015, it was 30,000 bombs that Obama dropped. Most of them, uh, have been in Syria, 24,000 bombs dropped in Syria. They said it was against terrorists, but we all know that it wasn't because if they had wanted to actually accomplish that purpose, they could have done it in a much shorter amount of time, which is what Russia did when they went in there and said, we're going to clean this place up. And they did, uh, And we have no business in Syria. We have no business in Ukraine, but Putin has business in Ukraine. We have no business in Ukraine except for business. Yeah. (laughs) So if you look at it as a business, well, of course, we have oil and gas interests. It's like we, I, I don't have oil and gas interests. I pay for gas at the pump. That's it. That's my interest in oil and gas. And I'm not benefiting from any of this. And I never will. And not to mention that there's no moral justification for it. And it's my money and it's my soul that's on the line here. Syria and Ukraine are none of our business. Putin makes a very good case. If you read his last speech, very long speech to the legislature to ask permission for this, makes a very strong argument for why this is Ukraine's business. If you're interested in those little tidbits, you'd have to go back and listen to our last 10 shows. But uh, that's what the propaganda is for, is to make the public think it is their business. When in the reality, you're right. They don't focus their attention on all these other issues or all these other wars or all these other bombs being dropped because they aren't associated with expanding NATO and ushering in the Great Reset like this particular war is. Yeah, the propaganda on the other side is the other side. But I actually stumbled upon, with the help of Fat Mitch, the some really interesting people, outsiders who are in Donbass, who have been there for years, journalists, um, I don't know, I'm not going to say mercenaries, but soldiers on the ground. And I'm trying to see if I can get some of these people on the show. But the yeah, but the words that and it's hard because I actually just tried to do it through PayPal, like just give five dollars that PayPal account, give five dollars and like put a message in there. But the pay but PayPal suspended them. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But one of the things this guy said, and I don't want to scoop myself, so I'm not going to say who it is, but he said that he'd been predicting a lot of the things that had happened. And he said they've already agreed on the outcome, that the outcome is already agreed with NATO, that NATO is going to be allowed to go up to the western border, basically, of Kiev, make it look like they're tough guys, that they took some of Ukraine away from Putin. And Putin's going to be able to, I guess deal with the rest. Maybe the rest will be federalist. I don't know. But I'm curious if that really comes true. Yeah. So we shall see. But I'm going to try my hardest to get these people on the show. Yeah, that's very interesting. I would love to hear from them. Yeah, yeah, me too. So Russians are also being harassed around the country. And one example is that in New York City, there are some restaurant owners who 
are getting phone calls. People are swearing at them. They the voice messages voice messages they are getting are saying that they're gonna people are gonna come by and and they're gonna get payback for what's going on in Ukraine. They're gonna pay back these Russian restaurant owners. And there's other people who are just leaving vulgar messages, telling them that they need to watch out, despite the fact that this these restaurant owners stand against Putin and with oh, Ukraine. I'm sure because they're here. Right, exactly. And they're probably Jewish. Like there's a lot of Russian Jews in New York, a Maybe. lot. Yeah, no, there's a huge community. So you've got a totally different dynamic there. Yeah. And it's I not mean, just... I don't know if they're the restaurant owners, but I just remember in New York that that just, I mean, every restaurant I went to that was Russian was Jewish. Yeah, could Bright very well Beach. be. Yeah. There was Russian also, Tea Room, they say, is losing a lot of business. I'm sure it is. Yes, yeah, yeah, I saw that one too. There's another story about a protective barrier was put up at the Russian embassy in Ireland, I believe, after a truck driver drove oh, through it. Yes, Russia is saying that Dublin owes them money. Yeah, and the guy who drove through it, he said he did his part, he's playing his part. You know, to, to push back against Russia. We have another story about a woman who is allegedly Putin's love child. And she was oh, like yeah, she looks like him too. Instagram model getting massive verbal abuse and ended up taking down her her account. Is this is this is being encouraged by our media and our politicians. They're saying and, cyber attack them. We need to fight for Ukraine around the world. Here's what you can do. And people are now being targeted because they are Russian around the world. I mean, that's terrible. And here's the problem with that. I'm a little worried about this. If the world finally learns the truth, are they going to hold us Americans, voters, people responsible for the atrocities that our government commits? I don't I'm doing the best I it's can. I don't know point. what else I can do. I don't know what else I can do. Even the 80 million people who voted for Trump originally anyway, maybe it wasn't 80 million in the first round, but he was totally anti-war and he got the majority. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people were looking at this because I didn't even see that stuff about all his bombs. Clint is the one who told me that Trump was bomby. Yeah. And he's a big Trump supporter. He's a Trump guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Dang. Final story for me. Now, we have the media admitting now that they are a propaganda arm of NATO. And we also have the media, and I've seen story after story from CNN, from PBS, from BBC, everywhere on Twitter, where they say, how do you spot fake or misleading news during this Ukraine war? How do you recognize what's true and what's not on social media during this Ukraine <sighs> war? Even though the New York Times just told us social media has chosen a side. They've chosen a side. And now we have social media and other networks telling us how to determine what's true. And here are a couple. First of all, they talk about the fakery techniques, which is using an existing photo or video claiming that it came from a different time or place. They say it's one of the most common forms of misinformation, which is exactly what that ghost pilot video was it was video ed videos edited together and stuff from a different time in a different place and they don't mention that here what they mention is they mention russian examples of doing that and another option they say is to pose actions or events and to present them as reality which they say this is a case when uh destroyed vehicles that russia claimed were bombed by ukraine and they don't mention any possible Ukrainian incidents where this might happen, because as we know, now it's virtuous to propagandize from a Ukrainian perspective. And then they ask, what's being done about it? 
this was a really interesting part. They say, here's what's being done about this misinformation. The European organizations such as Bellingcat have oh begun compiling gosh. a list of dubious <laughs> social media claims about the Russian-Ukraine conflict and debunking them when necessary. Journalists and fact checkers are also working to verify content and raise awareness of the fakes. And outlets like the BBC are calling out misinformation. Social media platforms <laughs> have added labels to identify state-run organizations or provide more background. Does the BBC get the label of being a state-run organization? I seriously doubt it. Me too. Seriously doubt it. And they've also tweaked algorithms to change content, change what content is amplified, and they've hired a staff to spot and flag misleading content. Again, knowing that they've chosen the side, this is what they're telling us. And then they say, what can you do about it as a person who doesn't want to be duped? We cannot listen it's- to you is what I... When I I noticed with Twitter a while ago, but I can see it now, when I put stuff up that I expect to be controversial, I really don't get anybody yelling at me anymore. And I think that's because they just don't put my stuff in anybody's feed. Maybe, yeah. I've heard even my followers say they have to just look at my feed. Like shadow banned, I think, is how they refer to it. I have a lot less activity now than I used to have. Oh, yeah. I think they've definitely clamped down on that. What they recommend that people do to avoid the misinformation is... Go to organizations such as Bellingcat or Fact Checkers. Oh my gosh, Bellingcat is a complete, like, I would say CIA, but it's yeah, like an MI6 front. Yeah. And read their fact checks. And then they say, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, if you're in doubt, don't share or repeat claims that haven't been pushed by a reputable source, such as an international news organization, and consider using some of their principles they have when deciding which sources to trust. And their principles are all about. Mainstream outlets, basically. We, the authority, authority, authority. We've talked about that before. And by doing that, you can limit the influence of misinformation and help clarify the true situation in Ukraine. Right on. So the liar's <laughs> telling us how to decipher the truth. It, it, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, yes, the unapologetic, I'm lying for your own good or for the good of Ukraine, which is the good for the good of some Ukrainians. Yes, who, right. <laughs> I yeah, mean... Yeah. Who we say, yes, it's it's really maddening. So we, there is, of course, more to come in the show. As a matter of fact, we still have our deepest dive up. And that is why, I don't know if you heard about this, but why Florida is advising caution in vaccinating your children against COVID. I'm going to debunk the debunkers. Awesome. And But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR, the extended release version of the DNB. It is the anniversary of MH370. What does that have to do with Biden's pick for the Supreme Court? Not nothing. And I will. she actually made that tragedy worse. And I'll tell you about that in the XR, as well as the Batman, a live animal prank in Austin causes we'll see yeah we'll find out we'll find out what happened there but before we get to all of that may i please encourage you to support the show we have three different premium platforms so you can go to rockfin which is just a blockbuster of a value you can get tons and tons of exclusive content from all sorts of creators if you listen to our show on rockfin we get royalties for that so if you 
If you join Rockfin, listen to our show there. That's great. That's the biggest win-win. If you like to listen on your favorite podcasting app and you want to continue to do so, then join Patreon. We also have tons of live streams. We have Patreon-only Q&As. We have Zoom parties and Zoom party excerpts. So Patreon's a great one. We have exclusive content across our platforms. And propreport.locals.com, where we have a very robust social following. It's like our own private Twitter, and they're going to add a private kind of telegram functions soon and we also do live streams like this week's live stream with brad which are very popular you actually don't even have to pay you can check it out anyway uh this week so please consider supporting the show if you want to make a one-time donation go to the you want to buy a t-shirt go to the propreport.com and uh if you just want to listen to the commercials let them play through because that's how we get paid so thank you so much for that And now on to the deepest dive of the day. So unbelievable, huh? The Florida Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Lopato, who I think is of Nigerian descent, if I recall correctly, he said uh, the, by way of California, I, I am sure of that, he said the state of Florida is going to issue guidance on parents' not to vaccinate their kids. Now, I actually, that's how it was reported. And the CNN article just went nuts with like, it's absolutely outrageous. It's There are many studies that have shown it is safe for children. Um, what is this guy up to? Yada, yada, yada. And I, I will tell you what his statement actually said. There were three statements in the, there that were excerpted from their roundtable in the press release on the Florida website. And then depending on how much time we have, I'll do some now and some of the XR, a 10 point what's wrong with the COVID vaccine trials for children that these articles are citing to contradict the Surgeon General. Surgeon General is right. And I can point out some reasons why. And I'll just tell you in his own words, it is said, he says, it is essential for healthcare practitioners to analyze existing data on the COVID-19 vaccine alongside parents when deciding to vaccinate children. Based on currently available data, the risks of administering COVID-19 vaccination among healthy children may outweigh the benefits. That's bold statement. That is why these decisions should be made on an individual basis and never mandated. Now, we if we were live streaming this on YouTube right now, it would get taken off. Demonetized, taken down, strike. Uh, taken, strike. I would get a strike for that. And he said it. So good for him. All right. And then uh, Dr. Martin Kuldorf, who was also in on the roundtable, said, if you go back and look at the randomized trials for children of the Pfizer vaccine that we use for the emergency use, use authorization, what those trials showed, they had about a little over 4,000 people in total in all the trials, which is a major flaw with these trials, I'll tell you about that in a second, is that there is a reduction in mild infections. If you look at serious disease, the hospitalization and deaths, there were none. So there's no serious disease in any of the cases, and it reduces mild infection, which will come up later, because that's not actually a good thing. And then Joseph Freeman, also in on the discussion, the question is, if you have a child who's at risk or has co-risk factors for COVID-19, that's a discussion with your pediatrician. 
But if you have a healthy child, the chances of that child dying are incredibly low, essentially close to zero, if not actually zero from COVID. Then the next part of the analysis that you would have to think about are the side effects of the vaccine and the symptoms of COVID-19. The vaccine causes severe symptoms in children and adults. So um, Dr. James Hill, who we'll, we'll be talking to soon, tomorrow actually, has a substack. And I found in that substack a reference to an article written by somebody else, but I put all of that stuff in the show notes, talking about the different things that the that the trials did wrong. So the Pfizer trials for the COVID-19 vaccine for kids, and he lists off 10 of them. I'll try to do it fast. It says COVID-19 rates in children ages 5 to 11 are so low that there were zero cases of COVID-19 and zero cases of death, uh, severe COVID-19, zero cases of death from COVID in either the treatment group or the control group. I've always said this. I think even in the 80,000 people who were in the Pfizer and Moderna trials, the robust trials, the whole for everybody trials, I think there was only one death from COVID in total, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but I pretty sure I used to say that all the time when it was absolutely fresh in my mind. So anytime they say, this guy is going on to say, anytime they say it's a 90% effective vaccine in this case with the kids or even otherwise, that's just bad math. That's not the way how statistics work because there, there is no, there were no cases. There's, so there's no real comparison. Uh, so, and that actually would undermine the argument that there would be an emergency use authorization value because there's no emergency. It says the second one was Pfizer's clinical trials in kids was intentionally undersized to hide harms. Okay. So this is what I was going to say. The guy said that there were 4,000. What you got? I was just laughing because that's true. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. So the 4,000 kids in the trials, if, if there's something that happens to one in 10,000 kids, now there are 24 million kids who are who are in the group that are going to get this vaccine. If it happens to one in a ta- 10,000, that's a lot of kids. But if you do a trial on one in 4,000 kids, you are not likely to find one example of that side effect. Yeah. And they do it on purpose like that. And that's why a lot of this stuff seems to me to be criminal because it's intentional. Absolutely. And they're not, they're not insulated from criminal liability. Uh, yeah, they've, pro- they've studied those numbers over all these social science studies and all these medical studies they've done over the years. They've studied the amount of, of that they can do to avoid getting the results that they don't want to get. Yes, that's in here, too. Yeah, that's it. That's the next one. It says Pfizer only enrolled participants who have no evidence of prior infection. Now, the author asks, does is that because the shot wipes out natural immunity and leaves one worse off than without the shot, as some British data, data from the British government points to. And there's more on that later. Uh, So you can't know because they deliberately excluded those kids from the trial. Now, why they would do that, or at least they should have conducted a separate trial with those kids, because 58% of the kids last time they measured, and now it's got to be more than that, 58% of the kids had had exposure had had exposure. So they're excluding the demographic that represents the majority, and it's significant. 
it's not insignificant. He says, he said, the statistician who wrote this said it was by design that toxic polluters, as he calls them, have learned to not ask questions they don't want the answer to. Otherwise, their own research. And that's a problem with our regulatory system is that we don't do our own studies. So they do their studies and they get away with whatever they want. And then they frame the question to the public in a way that doesn't ask those questions that they don't want asked. That makes sense. So yes. they shift the public's attention yes. away from questions yes. that would rise. It's like polling. So I'm going to get through the first five and then I'll save the rest for the XR. It says Alex Berenson put it very well. He said what the British are saying is that the vaccine interferes. This is some detail on what the problem is. The vaccine interferes with your body's innate ability after infection to produce antibodies against not just the spike protein, but other pieces of the virus, the nucleocapsid protein, which is the shell. That's a problem because it means that vaccinated people will be far more vulnerable to mutations in the spike protein even after they've been infected and recover because it it makes you I think that's where it like produces antibodies for the spike, but not for the shell. So it can take the spike, deliver it to a shell and then deliver it to a cell. And then just because it's not fighting the shell of the of the virus itself, it can inject that stuff into the cells and that's vaccine enhanced respiratory disease it's enhanced because the antibodies don't really do the job they do the exact opposite and if you have like population level vaccination rates you have a whole like almost everybody is extra vulnerable to mutations then it makes people sicker it's messed up and more vulnerable then another thing, this is really interesting to me, and I've heard about this in the regular trials, although I've never been able to hunt it down, but this says Pfizer lost contact with 5% of their clinical trial participants. So they're only talking about what happened to 95% of the kids. Now, when that happens, there should be a real explanation as to what happened to those people. Because what I had heard about the overall trials, the big trial for adults is that if you started to get sick with one of these side effects, they kicked you out of the study. So if you started with a thousand people and you ended with 900 people, you need to know what happens to that hundred people. Did they just decide not to participate or were they excluded to skew the results? And, uh, and since they've been accused of that before, I would like to know. And then uh, the final thing that I'm going to cover right now is that the follow-up period was intentionally too short. It's a well-known trick of the pharmaceutical industry uh, because in the half of them, or in, there were two different cohorts. One was only followed for two months. Another one was only followed for 17 days in looking at adverse events, 17 days. Many harms from vaccines, including big stuff like cancer and autoimmune disorders take much longer to show up. Although I'll tell you, I know a lot of people are coming up with weird things happening to them, really weird diseases. And it's not, it's not, maybe it's more than two months out, but it's not much more. It's already happening. You don't have to study them for 30 years to see that stuff, yet they should. And I'll tell you how they avoid all of this in the, in the second five I'll bring to the XR. Fantastic. And I do have that follow-up on the meetups, the higher side chat meetups. There's one on March 11th. At Cafe 28 in New York City, March 12th in Jefferson City, Missouri at the Last Flight Brewery. March 12th again in Tally Ho Cocktail Lounge in Scottsdale, Arizona. March 13th in County Durham, 
Shroom Alchemy and Permaculture Summit. (laughs) That's in County Durham in England at the Gretna Green Hotel. So those are some fun higher side meetups. We're going to put, you can just go to HiresideMeetups.com slash events if you want that. And then, like I said before, I'm going to be on the Mad Ones Live tomorrow at 530 Pacific. And Binkley's going to have a Locals live stream on Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. I got to decide which time zone I'm going to talk in. Yeah, well, we're in separate time zones, so I understand how it can be confusing. The reason I usually do the Pacific time zone is that it's earlier. So if you get it wrong, you still don't miss the show. Right. Yeah. So that's the reason. So that's what I'll do from now on. All right. Thank you, Monica. It was wonderful. News and insights as always. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to propreport.locals.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, or rockfin.com slash propaganda report to check out our offerings on each platform. We will talk to you all tomorrow or in the DNBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your Share the Show Tuesday.